0: On this episode, the Premier League is back, we run the rule over all the top sides, the relegation candidates, we have a bit of banter about our own clubs, the signings of the season and much more. This is the Tokitaka Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It has happened. Our sponsorship for the second season has been renewed. It's basically our spouses and families saying that, yes, you can go ahead and play for another season. So we're back recording and it's an all-star lineup today. RK, DSK, Ashwin, Radhaji and Ab. everyone's here. Before we get into it, uh, guys, how have you been? It's been two months since football died. How did you console yourself the last two months? RK, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, didn't get too hung up on the City thing, uh, you know, once they got the treble because that was always bound to happen once, uh, you know, they won the FA Cup final. For me, it was more interesting just seeing how United shaped up and it turned out like it started in June with all the, you know, talk about takeovers and glazers, uh, you know, kind of delaying the process. But end of it, today, uh, I have to say that, uh, you know, really presently surprised with how we have done our transfers and, you know, how we seem to go about it in a much more, in a, uh, like for the first time in 10 years in a very professional way, I would say. And on top of that, big changes to the playing style and the squad as well with De Gea leaving. So, it was interesting during pre-season to see how Onana is coming in. And, you know, despite all the jokes about that goal, uh, which is locked over him, it was pretty exciting to see what he offers. So, and uh, also I have to, show, you know, uh, talk about Alejandro Garnacho. I think he looked really lively. So good signs for United, but uh, uh, we'll
0: talk more about that. Ashwin, we actually met over the summer and you finally realized I'm not an AI avatar, but actually a real person. <laughs> did you finally get to see the first team captain Harry Maguire in action?
2: I did. I did indeed. Uh, I, I, I think I mentioned this before, but falling Man United is not good for your mental health. So the last one and a half months or whatever it was uh, has been really good for my mental health. Uh, having said that, by this point, I would have hoped that we we got the f-ing leeches out of the club, but that, that didn't happen. So, um, yeah, um, it's going to be like maybe 10 or 12 more months of me calling the Glazers out. But yeah, uh, I've also been following the Women's World Cup. Uh, I think it, it's 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 been a really good tournament. I'm really glad to see the US is out of the tournament because they keep winning the luck. Radhaji, why don't
0: you go next?
3: Good to be back, man. Like, um, uh, I think when we had the world cup and then we were getting started and then went through the rest of the season by the end of it we were saying okay it's a good time for a break perhaps as soon as the break started i was like okay when is it starting again i need this to start again maybe 2 weeks of an actual break and then please let's get started again so excited for the season um, absolutely excited to see some old regulars back on the pod uh, hopefully it's not one of those uh, you know new year resolution type uh, situations where by game week two uh, uh, everything will be like forgotten but um, i'm looking forward to some dsk rants this season uh, in, in in the podcast
0: on that note, why don't I bring the man himself in, DSK?
4: Hey, uh, great to be back. Uh, hopefully, it's not like a new year resolution. I stopped halfway from a uh, party uh, to, to join the, you guys with the pod. Yeah, it, it, it feels very weird uh, not not joining the pod, but United signing three players before August. No players rejecting United. Uh, it feels very alien. Uh and got a bit excited. Watched most of United's pre-season games. Uh, happy that most of the games United lost. Most of the games also, so not getting too excited for the season. And yeah, like almost every season, I end up, I pro- most probably end up missing the first United game of the season because I have, I'm traveling this weekend because it's a long, long weekend in India, so probably won't be able to watch the game.
0: The next person I'm going to introduce also raised this point of. Uh... United losing their pre season games at that point. Up, Christopher
5: and Nkunku is out. Pre season or off season or whatever it was, he was going very well till uh, Nkunku got injured. And like four days, literally in the last pre season game before the opener against Liverpool. So that's a bit of a bummer. It's just, but it's just, we should have just totally expected it given how. The last one year has gone. I think some fifty-seven injuries or something. I don't really ask count. Uh, but yeah, actually, I've, I've uh, since I've started watching football. I think this is the break that I enjoyed the most, given how crap last season was. I did not. Uh, I usually start counting down to the days that league starts again. This time, I did not do that. I enjoyed my summer, without football.
0: Yeah, and I think this has been a regular summer break. After a long time, because of COVID, because of the World Cup, all those breaks were compressed in the last two or three seasons. So, so it was nice to actually have a normal summer break uh, after quite a long time. And yeah, as Up said, uh, till Kunku's injury, preseason was going well, and we, have Chelsea, are probably building a team that can challenge for the 2032. Premier League title, given the age profile of the players we seem to be signing this season. But uh, the the funnest thing for me has been the clear-out at Chelsea this season. It's like anyone it's it's like a summer clear-out sale. Anyone you can see at Cobham, just take him. And even then, even after all that no one wants romelu lukaku unfortunately
3: see i was making a list of uh, clubs and their ins and outs uh, to prepare for this episode so i had kept like a space of four or five people per club and then okay i crossed five added three more rows i reached eight added three more rows i reached I kept on adding rows for chelsea the i mean you've lost a lot of like legends like Aspilicueta, Kante. But let's all agree that the guy that you will miss the most is Bakayoko. Exactly. Sad sad to see him go.
0: I mean, we had to basically release him from his contract just to make sure that he left the building. I don't think we can do the same with Lukaku. Just hoping that uh, now that the Juventus Ultras have also made their feelings clear that they don't want him and they, they invaded the pitch to make sure that he doesn't join them. I just hope he takes the Saudi money and goes, man. I think he's probably the only player in the whole footballing community who has played for so many teams, scored goals for so many teams, and yet no one loves him. I don't know. It's a sad state of affairs for him. Uh, Not
4: just just played for multiple clubs, yes. Gone for record fees to multiple clubs also, I
5: think. And kissed every bad.
4: So in terms of aggregate uh, transfer fee, you'd probably be top three. We just did our predictions for the top four and bottom
0: three just before we started recording. I think the one thing that's consistent across all our predictions is that City are finishing top of the league. There mm-hmm. is there is no confusion there. Everyone predicts the same thing, and but uh, that's where the fun actually starts because um, we generally tend to have the same four five teams in the top four. Or top five if you go by fair play rules and uh, apparently England are getting another uh, team in the Champions League next season. But interestingly, and DSK, I'm going to start with you. Arsenal are not finishing top four as per you. Rice and Timber not cutting the mustard for you. So a couple
4: of things that I was thinking about. One is uh, there are certain positions where they're kind of still weak. Uh, which is centre-forward and right-wing. Uh, and they have to pay, play in the Champions League also. So, that is one thing I was worried. Second, some of the signings, I'm not sure like what is the problem they're trying to solve. So, Pimber, who has played as a centre-back, probably will not cut in the Premier League uh, at that position. So, uh, somebody who's played there all his career comes in as a left or right back uh, Rice has played as a box-to-box midfield for the last two seasons. So, they've played... 105 million to get uh, somebody who has played there as a CDM. If they're probably going to play him as the number 8, then what is Kyra what's going to do? Hope they played another Pomp and I'm not sure what he does. Some weird signings. I don't know who, where they fit in. They do not have backups for some of the key positions and they have Champions League football. So, that that, that is kind of weird. Also, I think uh, one of the larger themes that I find with multiple teams uh, is... lot of them seem to be preparing to go the city route and go F1 style, box-box. So, I'm not sure if they are also looking to play a box midfield and that kind of setup. And that is where I feel, I think, probably there will be few smart managers who will create a template on how to tackle this season and then uh, how do teams react to that would be interesting to see. But, yeah, I'm not sure about what Arsenal... uh, 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 how they'll cope with all of that, so that's why I put them just outside talk for. Her. RK Senior might probably spit on me when I meet him, meet him next, but let's see how it goes. RK Senior
1: will, uh, you know, like kind of shake your hand, give you sweets. The like the lower you go with Arsenal's table position, the better it is for him. Uh, but but you know, it's the, like I had the same reaction with respect to uh, how Arsenal's summer is going. At the start of the summer, I would have thought they needed a striker backup to. Uh, like to Gabriel Jesus, and uh, I, I think Arsenal should be trying harder to keep hold of in Balogun. I don't know why that is a transfer saga. He scored 20 odd goals in uh, in in League One, but still, I think he's a real entity. And Arsenal have struggled for goals from the number nine, so uh, like doesn't make sense to me somehow. Bukayo Saka played almost every important or any significant game for Arsenal last season. He badly needs a backup. He looked kind of you know run into the ground last season. He doesn't have a replacement yet. One of the most touted names, uh, you know, for uh, like competing with Saka has now moved to Aston Villa, Musa Diaby, and no, uh, you know, no attempt from Arsenal whatsoever there. Uh, central midfield, even though they have signed Havertz and Rice, they still seem a bit light. There's no basically competitor for Odegaard unless you count Fabio Vieira. Maybe uh, he has a good, uh, you know, second season. Defensive midfield, probably with Partey and then Rice, uh, like playing the number eight role and available to play as a six. I think they are pretty well stocked in that position. But I, I feel Arsenal, instead of focusing on their most important positions, have kind of made you know backup signings in other areas. Like for example, David Raya ultimately turned out to be a loan deal. So I mean, then it's a good signing for them. No real financial implication as of now. But yeah. Uh, but having said that, DSK, I disagree with you a bit on the timber part. I always thought that uh, like whatever I'd read about him is a very good player, and he really impressed me in the in, in like uh, you know at the weekend, real re, you know real driving runs, good in position, looked very very smooth there, especially at fullback. Uh, your moods,
3: your moods about Arsenal, I'm not on the same page. I think. Uh... Uh, what they're clearly going for, and this is like a trend across, everybody that they've signed is they're going for like some people who can play multiple positions and give them multiple options and maybe not needing to buy a Saka replacement and or a Saka backup. Um, they have people, for, for example, Trossard is a backup for all three positions in the front tree. Um, they have Havertz, who, who, while I don't think anybody wants him to be um, a forward backup, but he is capable of filling in there when required as well. Uh, you just mentioned Balogun, uh, maybe it's one of those, uh, we need one of those Amazon um, documentaries to see if there's something going on between him and Arteta on the back end. But again, they're asking for 50 million for that guy. So perhaps he ends up staying now that uh, Jesus got injured. Uh, but I I love the signings. Declan Rice, amazing signing. I think he's going to be one of those transformational signings for Arsenal. Uh, Timber, not transformational, but I think, again, all four or five positions, starting from right back all the way across the back, and even in midfield, he can he can deputize. Um, I think they've given themselves a lot of options for tactics, for backups. They already had a Susami knife guy in Zinchenko, so i i mean it's going to be like a, a one very jugadu chameleon type team i think um, and maybe that's what they're going for they wanted that kind of uh, uh, flexibility but i thought i thought that they've uh, hired really smartly the only thing that's looking weird is their goalkeeper position where i know they're going to sign uh, ryan now and everything will look great after that but aaron Ramsey is currently the only senior goalkeeper that they have in the squad
2: yeah, I think I'm definitely excited about um Arsenal signings. they They made uh, they de- they're definitely looking a much stronger team than what they were last season uh, and rather pointed out uh, that they did sign Troussard mid season so that was a uh, that was a really astute signing. They will have players like Emil Smithrow coming back as well. Um, I think the the fact that they haven't signed a proper striker is kind of a worry for me. But having said that, uh, I mean, they have proven that they can uh, function without Jesus as well because Jesus was injured for quite a bit of, of last season. So, yeah, I'm not saying that they will win the title because City just just know the winning formula. They, they, they know how to win the league. Uh, but one major portion of that winning formula was Ilkay Gundogan, which, who is gone now. So, City are not like the not looking the most strongest. They have made good signings, so they have got Kovacic, they have got Quadriol as well, but they will take some time to adjust. So, yeah, it's it will probably just come down to, you know, um, who does what in the squeaking bump time of the season. And I mean, over the last four, five season, it's usually been City who are doing that. So, yeah, it's going to be tighter, is what I feel. Uh, so, let's see. Maybe, I I mean, City have have made the Premier League, Farmers League, as Word likes to call it. So, uh, maybe, maybe it won't be, uh, maybe it will be the same situation this time around as well. But, yeah, I'm not
0: so sure that uh, City are that much weaker. I agree there are departures. Mahrez has gone as well. Gundogan has gone. Uh, With City, you always have this second season syndrome where the people that they bought last season they start functioning well so for example Grealish also his second season was better it'll be interesting to see how Foden does this season I don't know if if they have something lined up for Calvin Phillips in terms of a role for him um, defensively they should be sorted with Guardiola but uh, in terms of attack let's see but I think this season they will also play Haaland for longer times as compared to last season where this sort of seemed to keep him wrapped up
1: in cotton wool but uh, let's see but who signs Paqueta? I mean, who bids 110 million euros? That's that's a you know transfer humor I'm I'm really not able to get uh, because uh, I think Pratik on the group shared all uh, that transcript of Rodri where Rodri was saying that you know I I basically had to play every single game, which is again an anomaly given you know how much we guys have bitched about uh, you know Guardiola rotating so much and FPL teams getting screwed. Uh, So, Paqueta seems like uh, a bit of a, you know, uh, like a pep, what do you say? typical pep kind of, uh, you know, signing where he's so fixated on one player. But, yeah, I think, uh, like, one more thing is, like, we have never seen a team win four years in a row in the Premier League. It's not that easy. But it's so tough to look beyond them. So, I I think that's why we have all taken such a safe call. Probably a bit of that and probably a bit of
4: our tradition of uh, jinxing. That's why I feel a lot of us have put City and I agree to our case point that it's difficult to look beyond them after the treble. But something that I'd observed was the, both, the, both the games United played against them in the calendar year. I thought United uh, negated their tactics quite well. Uh, both in the January 2-1 and the FA Cup Final 2-1. Like If, if it was not for that Two worldly goals by Kundogan. I thought United played quite well and had a much higher xG also. Uh, so that is again something that I've kept been wondering whether there's a template out there for teams to counter where you basically mark out KDB and then uh, you go for man man, man for man for, to their box midfield and then basically cut off you cut off the supply to Haaland. That kind of negates them. Wondering whether that is a template for a lot of teams to follow uh so that that's something that uh uh i i would be looking forward to so but do we think that united have it in them to
0: mount a serious challenge pun intended
3: uh, okay the only thing i can say and i think last year is a perfect example of that um, i don't think anybody's getting there on their first try so um that rules out a lot of people i don't think uh, united are going to Actually, seriously challenge City on their first attempt. Um, the kind of pace you need to maintain all through the season, and Arsenal, as good as they were, probably the best team we had seen in a long time for half the season. Uh, one couple of small things, not small. Okay, couple of big things went wrong. They lost Saliba, they lost Jesus, and they've lost Jesus again. Um, so we know for sure that getting them on the on your first try is almost impossible. I, I'm going to say impossible. So I don't think United are going to challenge for the title. Can they finish second? Yeah, sure. But um, maybe eight, nine points behind City as a second, perhaps. Um, That's something that I think they can finish ahead of Arsenal, if that's the question. But can somebody actually challenge City? I I really feel this season is a... It's either Arsenal or nobody.
1: I think one good thing for United is, uh, first of all, they have added to the leaders who were there in the squad last season which was pretty threadbare at the start of last season but over the course of the season you saw people like Bruno, Varane, Casemiro and Martinez uh, you know stepping up and then you add uh, you know Onana to the mix who's a very uh, you know vibrant very extrovert character so I think in terms of having personalities uh, now United are in a good shape a uh, lot of United fans on twitter keep talking of the three-one-six shape even last season on the ball it's been interesting to see that developing it's a bit risky In in you know when you look at how lopsided it can sometimes look uh, when it's in the first phase of buildup, it seems a bit risky that you know we are constantly looking for the balls uh, like forward balls through the lines, and when it sometimes doesn't come off, we can be exposed to counters. So definitely one thing for United to be very worried of is how they react you know when they lose the ball uh, in the first and second phase. Uh, But they have added again you know good people on the press, Hoylon or you talk of mount so you know, united will be in a much better position to press high and you know impose their style on the game this season uh but there are still so many you know positions that need to be uh, you know made better before uh, you know the like transfer window ends so one position which is like when we talked of arsenal lack of depth we also have a very big problem of lack of depth at casemiro position it's very important that we tie up one midfielder there and with maguire gone it's important to have a center back Uh, But, you know, not talking in terms of fighting for the league, but definitely uh, like like thinking to myself what would constitute an improvement for United this season is probably, you know, more of the same in terms of getting one trophy at least. And, you know, trying to finish second, trying to get above 80 points, that would be the kind of target. But I think with the number of good teams, uh, you know, becoming more year on year with the likes of Brighton, Newcastle, you know Brentford and everybody coming up. I think it's it's tougher and tougher for teams other than City to finish with very high points tally. So let's see. I think there are two things that we have done really well this
2: time around, right? So one is one is uh, we have actually backed the manager, which is something that we don't usually do. We didn't back Ole, we didn't back Jose or Rangal for that matter. Uh, so that that is great. And the second thing is that we have actually made some good footballing decisions in terms of transfers. We would usually buy, you know, someone with a commercial appeal. That hasn't happened. the The fact that we saw the right, uh, sorry, bought the right players at the right positions, whether that's Mount or Onana, um, Amrabat, I'm hearing now as well, that is great. Uh, but what what we don't know, and the, what the jury is still out on, is how these people or how these players would challenge with each other, and whether that would be a the right cohesive team that Eric ten Hag really needs. Um, So I I don't think it is right to call United as challengers for the title at all, because we know that it's the second season, Eric Ten Hag needs to really work with the team and if he does, maybe we can get a trophy, but I don't think we'll be challenging City for the title. Uh, It's definitely Arsenal will be the, you know, the number one challengers to City. Uh, But yeah, I'm really expecting a lot from United, Um, but yeah, I think top three is the most we could possibly expect from them.
4: Yeah, would be would be looking forward to see how Onana how fits in. Uh, and I think, as we figured out in that warm up game, uh, his teammates would teach some time before they understand how to play with it. Uh, so, probably a lot of gas in the first half of the season. Uh, also, puts with United playing such a high line and uh, too high number eights, a uh, lot of pressure in the build-up phase, maybe on Casemiro, who is probably not the best at doing that. So how do United cope with that? Uh, and of course, the, the, the big problem from previous season, that uh, United do not have uh, depth in the striker position. Yes, Rasmus Holland has been signed, but he is a 21-year-old 20, kid who has played this one season at, at Atlanta. What, what are the backup options? There is still a question. Uh, Rashford has played there. may he probably will start there uh, the beginning of the season. Not, but it's quite clear uh, that that is not his preferred position. I think in the interview recently with Gary Neville, he was mentioning the same. So, uh, yeah, probably probably week there. There are there are rumors that Greenwood come back, but Greenwood could come back. But again, he is also quite young. Has been out of football for four and a half years. So, uh, that that how you, uh, Eric Tenak, Hag- handles that is something that i keenly look forward to uh, we had seen Jaden sanjo as a false nine uh, we have seen eric tenhack play the false nine with dusan tadic back in Ayat. so that could be an interesting way that united might line up so looking forward uh to see uh but i think it could be a much better uh performance from last year so I'm, I'm like leaving aside titles i would say a 85 points is is what i would personally present as a target for united and then say uh, deep runs in at least two of the uh, cup tournaments that, that that would constitute a good season
1: yeah TSK, i think goals are going to be the main uh, you know uh, thing that holds united back if uh, like this season that's the one place where you know we are not at all sure where it's going to come from despite the striker that we have signed one more thing that any team who tries to compete with city has to be worried of is how they finish the season united we saw how you know, desperately fatigued they became at one point and then kind of got together at the end after getting eliminated from Europa. Liverpool also, after a 65-game season, had a pretty fatigued kind of a season last year. Arsenal fell off badly at the end, right? So, it's that's also going to be very, very important for United, how we are going to deal with the last couple of months.
3: Aside from that, that little bit of a reality check at the end, what is this? What is this positivity? I say these United fans are all over the place with the positivity, man. I uh, when when RK started the episode, I actually took the liberty of changing his prediction for the top four and put United at number one ahead of City. Uh, I see that he's changed that back though now. Uh, but I know all these transfers, great profiles, great We've done it professionally, done it fast. But I'm still holding on to. That one Johnny Evans transfer. Maybe that's the ray of hope for all the other club's fans. Here's to more Johnny Evanses.
0: And and can you imagine all this is happening with the Glazers still in charge and the takeover still not happened. So you never know if the Qataris or SJR finally managed to or are allowed to take over the club. I don't know.
4: It's going to turn into utopia or something. Considering what happened to your club immediately <laughs> after the takeover last season, I'm, I'm, I, I can probably live with this for a few more months. Ab, Chelsea are a club
0: that have had a, a transfer window for the ages, two windows ago. And this time around, we've had another transfer window for the ages in the opposite direction. We've had like 15, 16 people already out of the club, maybe more to follow, hopefully more to follow. And we've had a few incomings as well, we mentioned Nkunku. He's he's obviously injured now, but whisper it quietly and obviously it's a very low bar, but we will we should definitely be improving from last season, right? <laughs> the improvement from twelfth is much more easier to get rather than when you finish third.
5: Yeah. Uh, I think improvement is is guaranteed. Um I see. Yeah, it's been a good wind. Actually, I've never been so excited to see so many players leave our club. Uh, I was counting, you know, uh, I was tallying also on our group how much we are generating. Like, I think we are close to three hundred fifty million now in just sales in this window, um, and we're starting to, of course, use that. Um, obviously, in Kungku getting injured is a big blow, uh, which means that we'll have to revert to a Sterling or. A, Someone for the first couple of months, which is not going to be ideal. I don't rate him anymore. Uh, but yeah, we should improve one game a week, uh, barring cup ties. I think uh, expectations are also low, and I think Poch has a free hit season of sorts. So I'm just looking forward to just watching the team two hours every week and just not worrying too much about uh, uh, not worrying too much about too many things. Uh, are expecting too much from players who are like super young. Some very positive things happened in preseason, I mean, the highlight of preseason was uh, Nicholas Jackson. He looks fantastic, Uh, bought for thirty-five million euros from Villarreal, I think he looks really good. Um, Is he going to lead a team to the title? No, but uh, I think he could be what we need at this time. I'm hearing that, of course, Porch likes a team size of not more than 2021, 20, especially if you're not playing in Europe, which means that we still have another six or seven players to get rid of. Three we know about, of course, Hatsunodoy, uh, Lukaku and uh, um, Ziyech, who's still not gone, uh, and probably two, three more after that. So I think that's those are the positives. From, uh, some, in fact, those are not just the only positives. The biggest, of course, is the two guys uh, who's come back from loan: Colwill and uh, uh, Ian Mason, who was at Burnley last year. Both very good players, highly rated, um, and uh, especially with Fofana getting injured now, I think Colville will start. Uh, I think that could have Fofana getting injured is basically, I think, what prevented Colville from going to Liverpool, <laughs> probably. So. Uh, so yeah it's been it's fine i think one of those seasons where it's a free hit i think you can just sort of relax and enjoy it doesn't mean that i won't be coming here and ranting after liverpool beat us on sunday i probably will but uh but it's fine but it's fine it's it's all groovy
2: what an epic performance from the disappointed uncle that is up but uh i um i think i think like one point i do agree on is that it's definitely a free free pass or a free hit for Pogge, uh, what will really help is that you don't have any European uh, competitions to play in, right? So, that's not, that's, surely that's going to help you guys. Um, I am I'm, I'm actually uh, looking forward to um, seeing Reese James and Chilwell Gil- as well because they were injured pretty much what, half of the season or the whole season? So, I think I think the fact that they would be back yeah, would really work in your favour and we know that Poch really likes to use his full backs to good effect. He did that at Tottenham as well so um, I like having Pochettino back in the Premier League is 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 great. I, I really feel that it'll be a very good, speedy, young, exciting team to watch Um, uh, and of course if you keep signing all the Brighton players that that you are definitely it'll, it'll be like uh, it'll be a really good uh good team uh, uh that you put out week in and week out as well so i'm not as negative about chelsea as probably obvious okay maybe they'll not finish top four because we have some really good contenders there but i i do feel that you've got some good players out there who will uh, at least challenge for the top four, if not achieve top
3: four. Let's just remind everybody that Ab has got Chelsea in the top four in his prediction. So, so yeah, I think he's being optimistic and just being a little bit of a jinx spot.
5: There's no way I was not going to put Chelsea in the top four. <laughs> Last year, I had them second. <laughs> so, you know, that that's just how it is. You always have to be a bit of an optimist as a fan. Uh, but coming to expectations, I will say... I'll be very disappointed if you don't get top 6. And I'll be very happy if we get top 4. That's kind of where I am.
1: Swag, so you are talking of this summer being the absolute opposite of last. So, I just opened up, you know, the Sky Sports transfer ins and outs of each club. And and don't, you know, don't talk like that. Because I see some really big names there. Okay, Leslie Ugo Chuku, Angelo Gabriel, Alex Matos, Diego Moreira, Ishe Samuel Smith, these
0: are the players that you have signed this season. See, so length of name doesn't mean it's a big player. But uh, the, the this is also being held by the fact that we now have a multi-club model. And more than half of these guys will be found in Strasbourg. Okay. And I'm actually thinking of getting a season ticket there so that I can go and check them out. Because they're like 80 kilometers from me. Uh, we've had uh, a good window. Nick Jackson uh, up talked about. I'm not going to say anything nice about a Chelsea forward the last time it did that was when oba scored a goal and then he did not score a goal ever after that so i'm keeping my mouth shut on that but yeah he looks promising and Kunku looked very good till the point that the ground opened up and, and swallowed him uh, matsen etc cetera, etc cetera. so we 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 we're, uh, we're looking good uh, we're looking more cohesive i think the squad size trimming down helps as well i'm actually even happy that someone like robert sanchez has come in to be the de- deputy or the challenger to kepa so in terms of window i'm i'm happy with the incomings as well uh, no doubt about that
1: and i think kepa seems like he's you know going to bayern munich so you might you might need a new number 1 pretty soon but but you know just a question for you guys on top of that you're talking of having good signings but i don't see any activity in a number 10 or an attacking midfielder sense so who's going to fill that because you keep seeing all the lavia Do stuff isn't that going to be a too too deeper midfield and also any any talk of any striker backups to Jackson?
5: I think the plan was to have, Nkunku there till of course the injury happened. I I would have expected, let's assume Caicedo comes through a midfield of um, Caicedo Enzo and uh, uh, and Nkunku. Uh, but. Um, Nguku, of course, playing forward and then uh, supporting the striker. But um, uh, now that he's out of the picture, um, what I expect will happen is uh, Karni Chukumeka will play uh, with these two midfielders that I mentioned. Um, and I think that's, that's where it's going to go. Um, I don't think we will get a 10. Uh, I don't think the club is out to buy a 10. I think we will make do with what we have in some of those areas uh, for this season in terms of a backup to Nicholas Jackson. I don't think uh, uh, I like I think the club will look inward there also, Uh, probably look at Armando Borja to sort of help fill that spot. My uh, what we're expecting is we expect. Jackson play most of the games assuming he doesn't get into like a major spell of injury. One game a week shouldn't be too bad Uh, and get in a broha for a cup tie. So I think the club is expecting to manage with what they have as opposed to trying to find someone now to sort of fill that spot. Uh, They'll expect of course people who were there last season to improve. Like we need more from mudrick we need more from Madouaka, we need more, a lot more from Raheem Sterling. Uh, so expecting goals to come from there, but um, but uh, I I don't anticipate yeah, us going. I talking somewhere.
1: as if He is you know a very very responsible you know very very financially prudent owner.
5: Uh, he tried to be too ambitious, too fast. Uh, that's why I think Potts is very important. I think he's a good tempering influence. Uh, he says I'm going to need twenty people, then. That's he's not going to blow up the squad more than that. Now, there were rumors that Bolli is trying to prepare some bid for Neymar or Mbappe and all that. And very strictly has been told no by Potts, who's worked with both of them. Right. So it's uh, I think uh, it's in one of those seasons where Potts just wants to improve the players he has and try to get something going among these young guys. Um, I don't anticipate an attacking forward to come, but. There's always a, but on August 31st at 11 PM, we're going to be refreshing our phones, seeing what's happening and you just never know. We've seen absolutely weird stuff happen on deadline day. So don't be surprised at all. If there is some 70 million bid out there for someone who's trying to somehow make the deadline, some papers are being sent late and all that stuff.
4: You guys have been flirting with Moses Casero for a couple of months. I'm hearing that Liverpool has put in a bid. How how does that sound like? I, I think
0: the way we would see that happening is uh, we put in a bid for Lavia, Liverpool put in a bid for Caicedo and we exchanged them at halftime like prisoners of war.
4: Reminds me of how United bid for Alvaro Morata and Chelsea were after Rokaku and then we finally swapped them first week of August and both of them terribly failed
3: there's no chance that liverpool put any bid for caicedo uh, there is it's just if there is any truth in that rumor it is just a kida rumor after after chelsea bid for lavia like pieces of shit all through this bloody summer, these Chelsea buggers are all oh, Brighton, such pieces of shit. I can't work with Brighton. Brighton this, Brighton that. What pricks, man, these Chelsea guys are. They first raided that club completely. Now you're going and being like a total, like, asshole to Liverpool also when they're trying to sign somebody. For three million, we're negotiating for one month. Just let us take him and go, man.
0: I mean, I look at the amount you've got from... Saudi Arabia for Fabinho and Henderson and you're negotiating for 3 million. Come on. Imagine, what is this rather? Why are you doing this?
5: I think I just read a tweet on the Caicedo thing, uh, like a very recent tweet an hour ago from Fabrizio. So Chelsea are pushing with a dream to unveil him on Sunday. Liverpool made contact with Brighton and planning to submit a formal bid in the following hours. That's what he said. So it is going to happen for Liverpool as in the bid but let's see how how much beyond that it goes.
3: I'm, I'm checking I'm checking Twitter like just verifying this this nonsense. Um, no but okay I'm uh, coming like uh, if like taking that opportunity to move to Liverpool everything was looking great amazing got rid of three guys who we always knew we were going to get rid of. Uh, Signed two guys Really quickly Really early Didn't muck about Perfect profile Guys who can Press Guys who have Actual quality On the ball Who can open The game up as well Things that we've been Missing in our squad Till then Nabi Keita was signed For that but I don't Think he ever He ever actually Did that With any consistency Um, So everything was going superbly well uh, no reason to believe that anything has changed at Liverpool or, uh, I mentioned after the Real Madrid game where we lost at Anfield I mentioned that this was the end of an era it, so it very clearly was um, I don't think we would have expected to refresh so fast so much so fast uh, I went into the summer thinking that Thiago is the guy who's going to leave and we've ended up so that, that's Nabi, that's Ox that, that's Milner Fabinho, Henderson I mean I shouldn't be counting him but even Arthur Mello was at Liverpool last season and obviously now he's gone as well so that's six first team central midfielders uh, who aren't at Liverpool anymore we've signed two uh, this Saudi stuff just mucked everything up I, I can't we look like a real deer in headlights I can't believe this is the same Liverpool who operated under the Edwards era it was so clinical so like we've been made to look so amateur in this transfer window why even sell if you don't have somebody lined up just it's Saudi what kind of pressure are you under to to sell fast you can, could have waited till August 31st to let somebody like Fabinho go if you don't have things lined up it's just terribly amateur uh, uh, this whole Kaisero thing is an absolute joke there's no chance that that's happening I think Lavia is the guy that we're after uh, but yeah if Chelsea end up getting Lavia I'm like where do we go from here it's like we're going to start against Chelsea playing and,
4: McTorvin is your answer
3: yeah, yeah sure like it's see guys like McTominay and uh, and uh, Maguire and that's the West Ham zone which I'm sure I'm sure we'll come on to West Ham soon but uh, this is like a shocking state of affairs for somebody who's been used to such a clinical uh, front office for Liverpool for so long um, I'm really worried about the season I was so optimistic about the season I actually uh, was privately thinking we can start pushing Arsenal um, uh, for the season if we sign one number six to deputise for Fabinho, now I'm really struggling to say that we'll finish in the top four, we look amazing attacking wise but we have absolutely no defensive structure, I think Chelsea is going to show those weaknesses on uh, because they've got a lot of pace and they're looking at least attackingly very strong in their preseason as well not look, looking forward to... I mean, I'm very excited about our attacking play and some of the players that we've signed. But overall, I don't think that we will be a, a serious top two kind of threat at all this season.
1: You know, this is, this is ex- uh, not, not at all what I anticipated when I started this whole, you know, jinxing, you know, <laughs> you know thing. Of, I didn't expect it to be such a viral, you know, it's, it's even more viral than Ashwin's TikTok uh, shares. But, but rather just a question to you, like, uh, you know, it, it's been the chatter on Twitter for the last few days, especially after I think Neville and Carragher, the famous duo had a go at each other over it, uh, FSG. So, you, uh, like, uh, you know, the owners have been some, uh, like it's been an owner group that you have always supported all through, but how do you see them now? It's, it's kind of looking like, as you said, you know, deer in the spotlight and, and, and you know, it's niggling over small sums. And also all the sporting director changes, you know, at that level as well. So is there something wrong between Klopp and FSG? What's really going
3: wrong? So, I don't think it's, there's something happening within the people who are actually hand-to-hand hand day-to-day managing the club. So it's the Klopp and the technical director team. Clearly, there is something going on. Like we've hired a temporary technical director. I mean, that's the first sign that things are like not, not great at the club. We hired uh, a, re- a replacement for Edwards, who was amazing, Edwards, who was amazing, and the replacement left within a year. So, clearly, there's something happening there. There's something brewing. My, If I was to guess, and obviously, I have absolutely no idea what happens inside the boardroom, but I know for a fact that James Milner and Jordan Henderson's contract extensions were not... Um, uh, ...supported by the technical directors at all. So, Edwards and um, Ward, neither of them wanted to do that. They wanted to set that if you cross a certain age... ...and there's a certain wage that we can offer and all of that. I also know that Mo Salah was something that was a a, a a conflict topic for sure... ...because of the wage structure changing in the club. And, and it took a long time to close that out... ...even though he's been our probably the greatest player... ...Liverpool has seen in the last 10-15 years. So, I, there is definitely been some tension in the last two to three years and having hiring a a three-month temp guy in Schmatka who doesn't even sit out of Anfield he doesn't even sit out of Liverpool he sits in his uh, work from home situation wherever he is in Germany so yeah there's definitely something going going on there I just thought that they're still amazing professionals and a team that can pull off what needs to be pulled off and the fact that they signed McAllister Amazing signing! I was over the moon with that signing. Great fee, great player, perfect profile. Played in the Premier League and Sabozlai, Why that came out totally left field? I didn't expect it. Uh, but again, what brilliant player of a pro- profile of a player, technical ability, pace, all of that. Was really happy. But how can you how can you get ca- caught out by Saudi Arabia, man? How does Liverpool, one of the most successful teams in the last five years? not prepare for something like Saudi Arabia. They 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 own. are holding all the cards. They just have to say, no, I'm not selling until I'm done with the next signing. I'm done with this replacement. Bloody, we did that when we were a much weaker club. We did that to Chelsea when they were trying to sign Torres. We actually made Chelsea sweat and kept increasing the fee based on what we were negotiating for Andy Carroll. Terrible move, but we still did that. And we are now like... This is like deer in headlights. Chelsea come and put a three million extra bid for Lavia after we've been flirting with this for almost a month. That's not at all Liverpool behaviour. I'm actually surprised. I don't want to take away from the good stuff that they've done, and I think the the squad is looking quite good. Uh, there is still the left. There's still a centre back that we need to sign, which has got delayed because of how much. Lavia has gone on, so uh, just leaving a sour taste in my mouth at the end of this uh, summer. Uh, excited for the season. I think uh, the guy I'm excited most about is actually not a new signing. It's Ben Doak. Um, he's this uh, absolutely fiery winger that we've got. So there are a lot of positives, but yeah, I'm uh, defense doesn't look great all through preseason. We sucked. Uh, this whole transfer thing has made me. It's actually got me annoyed for the first time this entire summer. So yeah, not going into the season in the most positive mood.
4: Is there, is there something that Liverpool is trying to do differently in terms of a playing style compared to, say, the previous seasons? I know that probably second of the season, it was very different from what Klopp usually does. I thought that was more for, for kind of reacting to not having a great season and how to uh, how to end the season. So, is is Klopp, or at least the, the signings and the preseason looking like continuation from there? Or do you see... Liverpool reverting back to the the old Klopp era style of football.
3: So that's the that's a great question and that's something that I was really looking forward to finding out in pre-season. I am no closer to finding out the way we're going to play once the Premier League Premier League season starts than I was at the start of the summer. Um, we have played that new system, the system that we finished last season with. We've played it for the first two or three uh, games in pre-season. No balance whatsoever. Okay, yes, we were changing the squad every 45 minutes and the best defenders were not playing with each other. We didn't have the right keeper. All that is fine. But we've had in the full pre-season now, I have absolutely no clue whether we're better prepared to play that system now than we were when we just kind of put it together on the, on the run in the end of last season. We don't look more efficient than we did when he actually just randomly did it last season. So that, that is a big concern for me. What I do think is that we will play the regular 4-3-3 against any serious team. And in the teams where we, okay, so if you look at the actual stat- we were abysmal against the bottom 10 last season. I think we only won 4 games or something against the bottom 10 last season uh, or, or 4 or 8 games. Uh, we only beat 4 teams or something like that. It was terrible. So I think this system, this three box 3 is only going to be a, a bottom 10, bottom 12 kind of uh, kind of tactic and I think it will be a very effective tactic as we saw at the end of last season for those teams against anybody who has a guy who can play a through ball or a winger like Mudrik, get back to the four-three-three because there's so much space that has been there all through, all through the games in pre-season.
0: Moving on from Liverpool, um, the transfer saga, the Premier League transfer saga of the season has to be Harry Kane. Should he go? Will he go? He should not go. He should go for the record. He should go for the titles. And just now, I'm reading that uh, an unnamed club has come in and offered better terms than bayern munich for harry k to harry kane for when he becomes a f- free agent next season so adding yet another crinkle to the situation very quickly <laughs> what is Spurs story this season if kane goes because i don't see them looking at any sort of reinforcements this is but this is just going to be another layer of fun
2: it's Spurs and Spurs are always fun, right? Like uh, the famous chan goes, "Who finished third in a two-horse race?" Tottenham Hotspur. Like they, they, that's that's what they are all about. I I actually feel so sad for them. Like I really sympathize with them because they they had some really exciting players over the years. Like recently, like Harry Kane, of course, Son, um, Kolesarski, like some really good players, right? But. They, they somehow always come short um, and I don't know for the life of me why Harry Kane does not realize that. I understand that uh, breaking Scherer's record is a really big deal, especially for an English lad. But like, like, I mean, Bayern Munich, right? Like it's one of the biggest clubs in Europe. Forget, forget the fact that he is going to move to an inferior league. It is one of the biggest clubs in Europe, and they could potentially win the Champions League. He could potentially win the Ballon d'Or with them as well. So, I mean, if Bayern have agreed terms with Spurs, or at least agreed fee a fee with Spurs, I think Kane should definitely go out. The, I think I, I think the one thing that I, like is definitely holding him out is aside from the record is the fact that. He may not gel really well in Germany. He might not adjust to the culture. That's something that definitely plays in a lot uh, in the minds of a lot of English players as well. Uh, but yeah, I think it is about time that Harry Kane just takes a call. And Spurs will continue to be Spurs anyway. Like, I know they made some good signings. Uh, they've got Madison there. Uh, one point there, though, uh,
4: similar from the other side of what you're trying to say, Ashwin, is uh, looking at how uh, the manager played in in Celtic before. He uh, used to play a style with a striker who was leading the line, who was right there playing uh, uh, right next to the defenders and trying to stretch them. And a lot of the analysts feel that Kane, or the way Kane's game has evolved in the last few years, he probably is not the best player suited to that style of football, where he plays in a very withdrawn role when when, when the number eights have the ball and they try to uh hit the target man, Kane is not there because Kane is probably right next to the number eight in that withdrawn role. So uh, I think there is also a push from the manager uh that hey, get we get the money and get somebody uh to lead the line and say compete with Richard Lelson for for that role. Uh, while uh you you cash in on on Harry uh, Kane.
1: They also have someone like Son, uh, you know Son, who dovetails so well with uh, Kane, right? So whenever Kane makes those deeper runs, Son is the one who's basically you know making the runs behind the line, trying to get on the end of uh, you know crosses. It doesn't seem like a setup, especially the chemistry that Kane and Son have, which a guy like Postecoglou cannot make it work. Uh, and also when you when you try to you know, uh, kind of think of how many goals Kane scores in a season. It's it's a massive hole to fill, uh, because although he's not you know an ever present in the box, not taking too many shots a game, but if he's giving you bang for buck with the shots that he's finally taking and you know giving 25, 30 goals, I think I think, I think that's I, that's enough so for if the manager. I
4: was in post phase. I would not think in that manner, because I'd rather cash in, use that money, invest, and then look for second gold. Say two years from now. Rather than you uh, tweak your style of football and philosophy for one season for Kane and then anyways, he's gone next season and then you still have to look at Rather, get the money in hand to reinvest in the squad is, is what I would say. Yes, and, yes. Sorry, yeah. And I, I do not know how much of a... a pra- whether Pastor Google is a pragmatic manager or he's someone the school of PSA uh, uh, yes. or... Uh, uh, our former Chelsea man. Uh, I forgot his name. Sorry. Uh, there are too many who, to who is very, very fixated on, on a style of football. So, I I'm prob- I do not know enough to comment on that. The
1: cigar guy. Maurizio, sorry. Sorry. But, but you know, good to see uh, Ashwin you know, hyping up, picking up the Bundesliga so much. Uh, you know, I I agree that Kane should not go on a free next season. That's that's that that's criminal for Spurs. But to think that someone will get real joy out of scoring forty goals in that league, I mean, not not even not even Lewandowski
2: scored forty goals in that league. So, <laughs> you're 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 dreaming. So, um, I I but it it just goes to show like I he he definitely cares more about he definitely cares more about the. Um, the the record the the share a record fair play to him like if he wants to do that it's fine but that just I, I, for me it does not make sense
3: I I just have to say the guy who's come up on top of all of this is my man Daniel Levy uh, the it, however big Bayern Munich is the way that Levy has treated Bayern Munich during this saga is just hilarious where he just doesn't show up for a meeting and changes the times of meetings at the last minute. Uh, He he basically... Bayern comes and tells him that you have a deadline. After this day, I'm going to move on. He goes on holiday after that. Dude, he's just hilarious, man, this guy. Absolute no shits given for Bayern Munich. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. I don't care uh, for either of the two teams in question. But yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh,
0: just quickly on Newcastle. I mean, I know we're forgetting them considering they finished in the top four last season. Interestingly enough, none of them have them in our top five. Is it because they have the added responsibility of playing in the Champions League as well this season, do you think? Or do you not think that the reinforcements have been enough?
3: I can I, I can say that I, they may be good reinforcements. They just don't meet my expectations. Given how far ahead of the curve that they were last season, of what their own development curve should have been, I thought they would have really gone hell for leather in this uh, summer transfer window. I don't think they have. I still have inherent doubts about the manager as well. I don't know his ability to consistently play top-level football, and that's I would called this out at the in the summary episode of the end of last season as well. That I don't think uh, Newcastle are going to have it all their own way next uh, next season when everybody's got a similar amount of rest. They're all going to come back reset. Um, so yeah, I don't um, I don't think this is uh, going to be a great season for Newcastle. I see them finishing out of the top 4. I actually i am low-key uh, predicting Brighton might finish ahead of Newcastle as well.
4: So, one of the announcements that came from the, from the FA was that they'll be introducing uh, the extra time similar to the World Cup, where basically if you waste time, like what Newcastle did for 38 games a season, you're going to have to play all of that at the end. So all that nonsense of time wasting that uh, Eddie Howe and his bunch of morons did last season is not going to work out for me. That is the reason why they are not going to finish in the top
3: five. Some of their players are just not top four level. Uh, however, way you, whichever way you look at it, um, I would I would rank Joel Linton in there. I would rank um, uh, that kid who uh, came to prominence when he. The, the, the brothers one of the two brothers um, their, their back four is quite functional um, I, I, I don't think that they're a top four team so they need to, uh, they need to kind of level up slowly and surely I expected a lot a lot more to happen Yeah, long stuff, that's the guy So I expected more to happen this season um, They've not done it But Livermento I do think is a good signing I, I can't comment on the fee um, This is the same thing I'm, I was telling the guys about Paqueta I can't comment on the fee It doesn't make sense, the fee But definitely good player
0: I'm happy about the deliverment of EI. I wish it was 60 million or 70 million or 80 billion, considering some of it is coming to Chelsea and helping make that bid for Romeo Lavia a possibility. Anyway.
3: Yeah, this 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 uh, 6 million that you're going to get out of this is really going to make the difference in your 600 million that you've spent in the last three windows.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Anyway, moving on from the usual suspects... Um, very quickly, any takers for Brighton or Villa, considering both of them are going to be in Europe uh, this season, do we see them repeating what they did last season or do you think that it's going to be normal service resumed this time round?
2: Villa are going to win the Europa League, you know that. <laughs> because I um, think that's um... going to be
0: very tough for them considering they're only playing in the Conference League.
2: Oh <laughs> shoot! Okay, so conference league, league, it is. I think
3: Ashwin, uh, Ashwin gets his farmers leagues mixed up. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I think...
3: No, sir, so I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I think this guy, Musa Diaby, I didn't see coming. I, I really didn't see uh, Villa being able to pull off a signing like that. Um, excited to see what they can do under a proper season under Emery. They were very uh, promising. I don't think they're going to pick uh, any of the serious contenders. I do feel like Spurs are there for the taking for all of these clubs, um, uh, especially if they lose Kane. Um There's nobody in the market, unless they go and sign Aussimen or something like that, there's nobody in the market who they can actually replace Kane with... uh and actually Remain at a similar level Than they were in the past So that's a big concern For Spurs uh, Brighton I'm super bullish I mentioned it In the previous line uh, I'm damn bullish On Brighton I think the chaos That this guy brings uh, uh, Deserby Is The way that he just Picked up and started Running from day one Was impressive uh, Maybe with some time And the way that They've managed Their the transfers uh, Dahoud coming in On a free They've got Milner In there to For, for a little bit Of experience And doing a bunch of Swiss Army Knife roles Um, they've they've got um, some players in expecting some of their better players to leave as well so they've been a little mature about it and I love this guy's uh, chaos so yeah looking forward to Brighton I actually had them finishing uh, 6th after the big 5 that we've all talked about
2: yeah, I think aside from Diaby, I think they also also signed uh, Telemans, who we know is a really good signing and a smart signing. And also Pau Torres, he was linked with United quite a bit uh, over the previous transfer windows. So, um, and we know Emery really works very well with Spanish players in general. I think it's probably a cultural element there as well. Uh, So, they made some really good signings. Um, So, maybe they can
1: potentially reach the Europa League
2: spots, if not play in the Europa League spot.
1: Just, you know, one prediction from my side. You know, when you talk of the top seven teams, let's say now it's with Newcastle coming in, and then you have the likes of Brighton and Aston Villa. It's almost like nine, you know, really good teams in, in, in the Premier League. And then you add people like, you know, maybe Brentford on top of it of course you also have a slightly lopsided bottom part of the table but it's almost like out of 38 games you are playing 18 you know 18 tough games a season i i don't think it it uh, and especially with city you know coming off a hat trick and maybe some hunger is bound to be diluted for sure i i don't think the winning uh, team which is most likely city will need 90 points this time i think it will be somewhere around 85 86 87 maybe that would end up winning the league this year
0: Moving on to the other end of the table, the, the always the more fun end of the table. I think this time around, I, I don't see too much uh, happening there. Uh, Luton, Sheffield United, gone. only have come up. Gone, yeah, gone and, case. And and, and Swag so,
3: so, so I has done it. He's done it again. <laughs> <laughs> ah, come on, it's like you, it's like you learn nothing, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look. See, see, I said Bournemouth will survive. Eventually, they did. I eventually got it right. See, it worked. <laughs>
5: yeah.
2: A few Bournemouth fans definitely had a heart attack. <laughs> <It won't laughs>
3: finally survived. See, see, we're all... I, <laughs> looking looking at our predictions, I think we're all just like... Luton seem like a team that should get relegated. Uh, I'm actually surprised that... Okay, I stuck with my last year's Everton prediction. I'm actually... Um, uh, surprised that they've been so shit in the summer Uh, I didn't expect them to be this shit Um, they've signed Ashley Young uh, which is like an interesting signing for a club like Everton to make uh, uh, in the situation that they were in almost getting relegated nothing says let's get better than signing Ashley Young in this kind of situation they still don't have a guy who can put the ball in the back of the net which is hilarious to me Uh, I don't know, let's see Uh, I'm not bullish about their
1: chance you know, I am I, the only guy in this group who hasn't put Luton uh, down, I think, on the relegation list. Just because there are a bunch of, you know, total, I think, loser teams uh, who survived last season. For me, Everton is one, as you guys already explained. And Wolves also don't seem to be in a, you know, big hurry to, uh, like, get better. They just ha- hired Lovitgui after some, maybe, six, seven years waiting for him. And then he goes after a few months. They haven't really signed anyone of note this season. They have lost many players, many good players. They have lost Neves. They have got lost, uh, you know Nathan Collins uh, and much more uh, as well. So I think I, I think Wolves have a lot of work to do. Of course, things can change in the last three weeks, but I don't see them having a lot of funds as well to spend. So you know, I, I think I think there are interesting teams there to look out for from the current league. Luton, whatever I read about them, they seem to have a good shape. They, uh, you know. They, like they seem to know their way around how to play, maybe a bit similar to how Forest were last season. Although they don't have that spending power that Forest had, but I I think when faced with you know such low competition as Everton etc., Luton might just make a big fight out, out of it.
3: Yeah, I I mean you mentioned Wolves there in my list as well to go down. They they've got Gary O'Neill. I mean, uh, I was actually a little bit uh, happy that they okay they've signed Matthias Cunha. Uh, seems like somebody who can actually put the ball in the back of the net, which is something they've been struggling ever since the head injury uh, to Raúl Jimenez. Uh, but then you think about this guy is going to be managed by Gary O'Neill. It's, it doesn't sit right. He was tipped to go to the World Cup. He was uh, flying for club and was tipped to go to the World Cup, just narrowly missed out. Him getting signed for 50-odd million and then getting managed by Gary O'Neill just doesn't make sense to me
2: yeah i th- i think on luton even though like we like we we do tend to side with the underdog right but like the way luton actually reached the premier league is 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 like a fairy tale story usually usually teams who make it through the playoffs are are, are not the ones that you know end up remaining in the premier league they don't even have a stadium which can cater to premier league audience so they are a very small club uh, so i think the expectations won't be very high with them and I, I don't think they would they, they would be able, they, they
1: have it in them to do what is required for a Premier League club to survive. So, Ashwin, uh, I'm just betting on the fact that, you know, top Premier League players are going to find it disconcerting, uh, you know, people looking at them from a building window.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe yeah. Maybe. Uh, throw uh, throw, throw stones at them. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, like, listen, like, we have seen stranger things happen, right? So, Let's hope that Luton do end up remaining, but I I don't I, I don't really feel that they they have what it takes to be you know finish seventeenth. Um, Sheffield United I'm a bit on the fence. They did finish second last season, so um, I am a bit on the fence with that. But I think it's probably a lazy prediction on 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 my on my front. Uh, there are a few Premier League teams I think Radha mentioned Everton there. Bulls as well who could potentially take that spot um, but yeah I, you, again like usually at the start of the season you would make such a prediction where you expect the teams that do promote go back um, so uh, but yeah we can't probably say that about Burnley because Burnley was just exceptional last season right so uh, I'm not predicting them to go down I think both DSK and I have gone for Crystal Palace there um, I think this is probably the season that it happens that's 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 an
3: interesting that's an interesting one actually so what are all your picks for who's the first guy to get the sack Uh, I
2: think David David Moyes for me you you can't pick
0: someone who's
4: already (laughs) gotten (laughs) TSE I I was expecting that to happen last
2: week so I think I got
3: it if I if I heard you right Ashwin you said uh, you said David Moyes, Ashwin
2: yeah David Moyes, I think but also I feel Roy Hawkson
0: it looks like moise because there's apparently some disagreement just the same way it was with Lopetegui, we with a disagreement with the ownership you know. we
3: shall see yeah Moyes is uh, not the manager i would want uh, in charge when i've just got 200 million for selling two players uh, I'm just absolutely shocked with what West Ham are doing with that money, man. I'm just I just can't I can't stomach it. Yeah, I think Moise was my pick as well, but since two of you have gone for Moise already, I'm gonna say Eddie Howe.
4: That's that's, that's oh, oh. interesting. After what's happened with Wolves, yeah, I I think I might change my prediction also. I think Crystal Palace might just about survive. Although how they do it without Zaha is a is a very interesting.
3: Okay. Uh, if they hold on to only that that guy looked pretty good, I think Eze towards the he started off the season well, and then in the second half of the season in the middle also he picked up really well. I think they've got some really interesting players there, um, so I'm I I don't know whether they can survive and all, but I think even without Zaha they have some raw ingredients there.
0: I th- I think they should be okay considering. As we have been talking, there were quite a few teams who were poor last season as well. There'll be a few names who will be circling the drain. Luton and Sheffield, I don't think they've made enough investment to stay up. uh, But I think it'll be Wolves who drop down before Everton do. But we shall see. I mean, we've not talked about Jude Bellingham going to Madrid for shitloads of money. That's obviously not a PL thing. And and
3: we will continue to not talk about that for the rest of this podcast. (laughs) Just never talk about that again.
0: I wonder why. I wonder why. There was a guy from your midfield who was singing Hey Jude.
4: And and he's now playing for Steven Gerrard in the Saudi League. Not talking about Jude Mellingham, but at least the club uh, where he went to. Uh, The news coming in is uh, that Thibaut Kotwa is injured and probably out for the season. And the rumors are that they are... uh, Madrid are negotiating with David Daher. Uh, a lot of us United fans were wondering what, what has Daher been up to in the last one and a half months since he was out of contract. Why is he not taking up the offers from Saudi League? Looks like it made sense for him and that he, he didn't go to that league and now he has the golden opportunity to play for Real Madrid years after the fax machine. Uh, doing that move, so yeah, hopefully he does well, uh, but yeah uh, not sure how it's going to turn out
2: for him
1: Mbappe, is that going to be a saga
2: of this summer or next? No, he has basically said that he's uh, not going to leave Paris under any circumstances so.
0: until it's next season and then he leaves immediately
2: well, he's the sporting director so he takes the call up
0: I, I like it how PSG have this group of uh, undesirables who are training separately. And that group basically is like a superpower group. It consists of Kylian Mbappe, Jeannie Van Aldem and God knows who else. It's 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 pretty scary. I think the, the undesirables might beat the actual first
4: squad. It's kind of surprising how a lot of people look at Kylian Mbappe as the villain here. He was given an offer... To extend the contract at on his terms. Now, who whoever from P S C gave that kind of a contract and did a uh, gentleman's verbal agreement uh, should be the one who should get thrashed by the media, not not Mbappe. Uh, you give him the terms, uh, you give him the control to move on his terms. He'll do whatever he likes. Huh? So it, it's kind of weird that he has been made to look like the villain. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, he has absolutely uh, pulled PSG's pants down. Uh, or I, I, like in the TIFO, uh podcast, they said, probably it's not. I think they have pulled their pants down themselves and it's completely out in the open now.
0: So, why don't you guys tell me uh, one like uh, unheard of gem or one player you're banking on who is not named Haaland for this season's FPL? I, I mean, so we're just doing. my FPL me for
1: me because maybe he didn't have the best stats last year. This season might be the season he really comes
3: through. Yeah, I've, I've still haven't made my team. Uh, haven't seen what the prices are like. I think Ollie Watkins is one I'm definitely going to keep my eye on. He's somebody I was looking for in the draft as well, and I think DSK got to him uh, before some somebody else got to him before I could. So Ollie Watkins is uh, yeah somebody that I'm expecting to get like 18, 20.
4: Watkins is one bad, but since he has already mentioned, I'd say Luke Shaw. I'm expecting United to rack up clean sheets and uh, all the chipped balls from Luke Shaw, which Rasmus Hoyland will head in, will get the assists. Yeah, so oh,
5: my pick. We
2: need to we need to get TSK back in for all the positivity. Who is this guy uh,
5: and what has he done with TSK? No. <laughs> yeah,
2: so
4: I thought I'd change myself. So last last season was. The, the jinxing parts. So this time I'll do the reverse jinxing. At least, at least I did that, and I screwed up senior R G and Arsenal's title hope. So let's see a different style.
3: Another, an another one that I'm guessing because I haven't seen it yet, but I'm assuming that it's a it's a midfield tagging that's happened in the game is Mbuemo I think he'll end up playing striker in the absence of uh, along with Visa. But I'm I'm assuming that he'll play up front in uh, Tony's absence. So Mbuemo Waymo could be a good uh, fantasy pick as well. He should be a midfielder who will play as a forward.
0: Yeah, so he is tagged as a midfielder, and I think I think he's he's marked yellow for this game week because he had a dead leg or something. So his ownership I think went down because of that a bit. But yeah, he's I think he's 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 six point five mil. So that's that's a decent enough price for for a second striker, I guess, who would be tagged as a as a midfielder. I'm 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 betting big on. Isaac starting and scoring more compared to last season. If he does that then I'll be happy considering I've got him both in the draft as well as the Fantasy League. But yeah, let's see. On that note, uh, signing of the season, before we wrap up, uh, any any anyone wants to venture a potential signing of the season? And no, you can't mention Kane
3: well outside the premier league i think there's just there's just one one name that comes to mind <laughs> uh, uh, we should probably end on that note though but um, uh, if within the league i think i already mentioned it earlier i think Ry- rice is a superb signing but because he was really expensive and you have high expectations i'm going to say instead of rice i'm going to pick maybe McAllister. i think he's going to be a very important player for us so i would
4: go for andre anana yeah not was sint uh, the the cheapest signing uh but i think the way united moved swiftly to get the player considering how davadia ended the season and how like probably fits in with the ethos of what eric Tenak wants to do and the previous experience with ajax so i thought that that is uh that is a very good piece of business and the way united moved very swiftly was quite smart
1: Yeah, at the risk of really jinxing this down the line, it's also Onana for me. Uh, And also McAllister. I think McAllister, the value for money out of that is really great. I've taken Spurs' case a lot.
2: So I'm going to go with Madison. Um, I I don't think he had the bestest of season last time out, but I think he'll come back all guns blazing this time. Uh, So I'm really hoping to see what he brings. I'm also looking forward to seeing Justin Clywood. I think. Did he sign for Brentford? Or Bournemouth. I'm forgetting which team he signed for. He, he signed Bournemouth, for Bournemouth. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course, you would know. So, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him because he comes with a lot of uh, expectations on him as well. Uh, famous last name and, and all that. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing that.
5: Yeah, My signing can... of the season is Kai Havertz. <laughs> <laughs> I think
3: he's going to do well, it. Just, I'm just really... I, I really, really look forward to... I look it. forward to Kai Havert scoring the winner at Stamford Bridge for Arsenal. that. I'm just really looking forward to that episode that week.
5: It,
4: and yeah. and a, we as United fans, just because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scored a winner uh, in a Champions League final, we... we... Ha- we like... Kept him as manager for three years, even though it was crap. And on the other side, how can be? How can these Chelsea fans be such morons and not give respect to the guy who won you that silverware? How can you even do that, man?
5: I have a lot of respect for him, man. was Very sad to see him go. I mean, obviously I'm kidding, but you know it's. Uh, I don't like losing young players to rivals. So Mount transfer was did uh, was a bit of a sad. Departure and so was Havertz. So, I always used to say Havertz has a high ceiling. Uh, Just that he never went quite close to it. And uh, maybe Atita is the guy who can get it out of him. Let's
0: see. I think we'll we'll always
5: respect Havertz for scoring Champions League final winner.
0: And the Club World Yeah, And
5: the the, final and the winning goal in the Club World Cup, yeah.
0: Cool. So, on that note, let's close here. Uh, The Premier League starts tomorrow. It's Burnley versus Man City. Vincent Company going back to Pep Guardiola. We'll see how that plays out. And we'll reconnect in the middle of next week to see what's happened in the entire game week. On that note, wish you a fond farewell and see you next week. Bye-bye.